0: Hello and welcome to Words on Wood, the podcast asking the big questions surrounding forests and the timber industry, which sets out to show how and why these issues matter to contemporary architecture and design. This week, the temperature is rising as we get into the hot topic of TMT
1: hello i'm ollie stratford and i would like to register my concern early doors that our podcast about the wonderful world of trees and wood has suddenly transitioned to wild west demolition and explosives
0: no no it's t-m-t not t-n-t it stands for thermally modified timber there will be no blowing things up but it is a pretty dynamite topic
1: I invited that pun in with my ignorance, and I can only apologise to our dear listeners. Now, thermally modified timber is indeed a fascinating subject, because in some ways it's a relatively new way of working with wood, but it is connected to a very long history of using heat to alter the properties of timber. As the name suggests, TMT is thermally modified, that is, changed by heat on a molecular level. Wood specialists have spent decades, perfecting a carefully controlled process that creates particular and specific results. And now there are architects and designers who are taking TMT and running with it in all sorts of ways, some of whom we've spoken to for this episode.
0: But first, we want to talk about some of the history behind using heat to change wood. Did you know, the culture and history most often credited with first refining thermally modified timber techniques are the Vikings?
1: Whilst the seafaring Scandinavian cultures perhaps live in the popular imagination most famously for a warlike demeanour and penchant for pillaging, and you can trust me on those things because I made very many trips to the Jorvik Viking Centre as a child, these cultures also discovered that heat-treating wood could make it more resistant to damage.
0: Right. While popular culture loves to depict them as bloodthirsty warriors, the majority of Vikings were peaceable farmers. And even those who went on raiding trips didn't do it full-time. It was more of a seasonal side hustle.
1: Ah, I see you've been to Jorvik too. But farming is important because when you have animals to pen or crops to tend, you generally need fences. Fencing is a labour-intensive process and wooden fence posts deteriorate quickly when exposed to elements for all seasons. But some Vikings discovered that heat-treating fence posts made them more weather-resistant and therefore longer-lasting.
0: Archaeologists have also found evidence that the Vikings would scorch the surface of the wood that they used for their timber-framed homes. Burning the outer layer makes wood more impervious to damp and rot, which is a boon when you lived hundreds of years before central heating, and maintaining a wooden home involved a near-constant process of maintenance and rebuilding.
1: Hundreds of years later, and half the world away, charring the surface of wood to make it weatherproof also became commonplace in Japan during the Edo period. Called shusugiban. ban the process involves burning cut cypress wood until it turns a deep charcoal black. As well as keeping out the damp, charring the outside of the wood makes it fire-resistant, something very important in dense urban areas packed closely with timber buildings. And if you want to know the science behind that... Here's a quick and easy explanation. When you burn the surface of the timber, you're burning off the wood's layer of cellulose, which is quicker to ignite, and leaving behind the lignin, which will only burn at higher temperatures. It's simple.
0: Shusugi ban was mostly used between the 17th and 19th centuries by the burgeoning merchant class for the timber sidings of their warehouses and townhouses, some of which are still standing today, which I think is testament to the hardy qualities of heat-treated wood. While the mercantile associations meant it never became fashionable at the time, shusugi Band made a comeback in the 1970s and has become a popular choice for high-end residences.
1: But TMT as we know it today is more than charring the exterior of wooden elements. If this charred coating is the toasted topping of a crème brûlée, TMT is the whole baked cake. The wood is slowly and carefully heated through in special kilns, in a process that engineers have been perfecting for years.
0: While I'm a dab hand at baking, even if I do say so myself, I've never tried it with wood. So, to get the expert insight into the process of making TMT we spoke with Neil Summers, a man with some top timber credentials.
2: My name is Neil Summers. Uh, I'm a technical consultant with the American Hardwood Export Council. I've been in that role for about 12 years now. Um, I've always been a woody. Uh, I did a degree in wood science at High Wycombe College of Higher Education back in the 80s. So, as we've heard, Neil
1: has been interested in wood as a material since childhood, and had aspired to a career in forestry before his timber science degree opened him up to a world of what happens to wood after the trees have been felled.
2: It involves all aspects of timber um, after it's after it's been made from a tree, cut into boards and dried. Um, I particularly followed the area of wood preservation so preserving wood um, using chemicals to make it last longer to improve its durability so its service life is improved Um, and that's led on to thermal modification because one of my first tasks was to explore um, making american hardwoods and how we can make american hardwoods more durable for external use Um, so it's a it was a logical progression really from from that
0: Thermally modifying timber to make it more durable for external use, as our little history lesson showed, is a very desirable property in wooden elements, particularly when they're going to be exposed to the weather.
1: You want to essentially cook the wood long enough that it becomes more durable than conventional timber, but not so long that it becomes unusably brittle. Here's Neil explaining how the TMT gets, uh, well, TM'd.
2: Thermally modified timber, or TMT uh for short is timber that has been essentially baked in a high intensity kiln schedule uh, to a temperature of around about 200 210 degrees centigrade so you put uh originally kiln dry timber into this super super heated kiln um, in an inner atmosphere and then you ramp up the temperature um as i said as high as 200 210 degrees for around about two days depending on the species and the thickness of timber that you want to treat and then it comes out this lovely rich dark brown color um, which is more dimensionally stable and durable um, than when it went into the kiln
1: This colour change is something that endears TMT to architects and designers, as we'll hear soon, but the prolonged high temperatures also change the wood beyond the surface level.
0: Now, unlike baking, where sugar is a key ingredient for a positive end result, removing anything sweet is integral to the TMT process.
2: Essentially, yes, you're you're correct. You, You are baking it and you are removing all the sugar's starches and hemicelluloses, all the nice things that insects and fungi like to eat. So you're taking those out of the wood and making it more of an inert material that isn't particularly attractive for these fungi and insects to eat, so therefore it's durable. It also sort of alters the the structure, um, so it's less attractive to take up moisture. So again, the main um, area where decay can start is if timber gets wet. And so if timber doesn't get wet, then it, then it won't decay. So those two aspects um, is what transforms the wood before it goes in and when it comes out. Of
1: course, there are other ways of achieving this, such as painting the wood with creosote to seal it away from water, or treating it with poisonous chemicals to deter pests.
0: But importantly, TMT achieves similar results without the need for a coating that would eventually leach toxins into the environment.
2: The the, the commercial process that we know today um, was developed by the Scandinavians, the Swedes and the Finns in the sort of 70s, early 80s, um, before they really got it right that they could actually produce uh, thermally modified pine and spruce. Um, on a commercial large scale, um, with the idea was that they wanted to find another method of making their timber durable without the application of chemicals. Um, It's because of, you know, environmental sensitivity, um, people are trying to move away from chemically treated wood if they can, Um, so this this was another option.
0: Days at a time in a kiln won't come cheap especially with the current energy crisis. But the benefits of TMT are very long-lasting, potentially even beyond the lifespan of its original purpose.
2: Yeah, chemically treated wood is is there for a purpose. It it suits a purpose for a particular need, for a particular level of cost as well. Thermally modified timber will be more expensive than conventionally treated, chemically treated wood but it has certainly has environmental advantages um, from end of use. You have issues with disposal of chemically treated wood, whereas, you know, because the very fact that it's still got chemicals in it, but the very nature of TMT, you're not putting any form of chemical biocides into that timber whatsoever. It's just purely a heating process. So end of service life is much cleaner. Um, You can use it for other things.
1: But, as with all areas of life, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Cooking the wood reduces its natural flexibility and strength.
0: It's like most preserving processes. You're salting, pickling, drying, etc. Where you might lose some original qualities, you'll gain others. The
2: actual process itself, it's it's very intense. Um, So you lose a degree of... Uh, structural capability, so it's not really particularly advisable for direct load-bearing structures over large spans. So it's more for aesthetic purposes, for cladding, uh, decking, uh, that kind of product.
0: It clearly wouldn't be appropriate to use TMT for something purely structural. And besides, it would be a waste of that glorious colour and its ability to withstand exterior conditions.
1: The colour that the kiln process imbues wood with is actually one of the things that attracted furniture maker Jan Hensel to incorporate TMT into his process.
3: Yeah, that is an easy one. Yeah, my is Jan Hensel. I run a furniture making workshop down in south-east London in Woolwich. We're based on the river. It's, inc- oh, it's a really beautiful ride, actually. I live in Peckham, I ride up to Woolwich, right up the river. It's, it's an amazing start to the day. Uh, we're, we're blessed with the south-facing workshop, the rear of the workshop, so we get beautiful sun, beautiful light. We make all our furniture, or predominantly most of our furniture, well, all of our furniture, should I say, is from solid timber.
0: So, Jan is a bona fide wood fanatic, along with his whole team at Jan Hensel studio. And when he saw what colours you could achieve with TMT, he was hooked.
3: We did loads of different tests to figure out what could we actually do with this timber because it also is quite reminiscent of like teaks and So It's got a bit of a mid-century modern vibe. Not that that's anything to do with my vibe at all, but we know it's quite. you know, people like that. And I didn't select it for that at all. But once you start working it, you see the colour tones and the references really do reference like 50s, 50s, 60s, you know, that furniture when everyone's smashing into into the teak forests. It was, it's very similar, but it's all from the UK. So we were quite excited that the fact you could have this sort of colour timber from the UK and work with it.
1: But TMT isn't standard fare for joinery. Jan had some in his studio but when he first tried it out he found exactly what Neil just warned us about.
3: Baking the wood makes it very brittle. We separated the two timbers so you've got the visual stunningness of the colour of the bow What presented to you. Uh, all the joinery is in like the actual kiln dried timber because when you bake a piece of timber you win and lose a lot of you know, advantages and disadvantages. So what you win is the color, but for the color, you lose the suppleness. So when you take the cellulose out, like that's what kind of gives and takes the moisture in the timber. So when it's baked out of the timber, when you cut a fine dovetail joint, it's really crumbly, really crispy. So you could cut a fine dovetail, you put it together and the first time it might fit but then if you take it apart to then put the glue in you are crisp all the edges so you lose all that refinement that you've put into this joint
0: and unsurprisingly crumbly and crispy is precisely the opposite of what you want for joinery
3: we sold a few things we we're like we can't sell this because if that back of the leg just snaps bang that's you know someone's even going to get injured or they're going to sue us hard so we realized with joinery you have to park it to a degree but for on this You know, you have to work it for this aesthetic front.
0: But Jan couldn't let the dream of making a TMT-based collection go. All that rich colour created by long stretches in the kiln had so much potential.
1: The trouble with potential, of course, is that you need a lot of research and experimentation time to unlock it, which is a luxury that's not often afforded to a commercial studio. But that's where the impact of COVID-19 came to have quite a big effect. Because while for many makers, lockdowns and supply chain backlogs proved a nightmare, Jan used the time to finally tackle that TMT to-do list.
3: Well, 2020, we were blessed with a golden opportunity when the whole of the world stopped working and it, and it made our workshop stop. So that, that overnight kind of like, wow, realisation that we're like, what are we going to do with the workshop? It gave us the perfect opportunity to explore. Like, it gave us time. We've always shown when you're working commercially, you always have to deliver people's projects. So, when you're blessed with some time, you get given a bounce back loan and you can put the two together. You're like, okay, now is the time to explore what we want to explore. What they found was that TMT
1: made a beautiful choice for decorative elements. All those rich, warm colours that develop in the kiln could be used to create the frontages for the drawers and cabinets.
0: So, to make the most of this, the team landed on a system. Where the detailed joinery requiring dovetail joints and the like would be hewn from solid timber, say sycamore, and then these decorative parts are made by using the baked version of the same wood.
3: And we really like the fact that the contrast of the timber—you could have two of the same species. So you could have olive ash as a cabinet carcass, really beautiful in itself, caramelly, like blonde sort of timbers. But you can have exactly the same British timber baked and it would give you this incredible burnished ombre, sort of like caramel uh, chocolate sort of flavor tone. So you, we were just, we called it explorations in British timber and it was a really nice pairing to bring them together and you go, look, this is one timber that you get from the sawmill and this is the same timber from the sawmill, but it's been baked.
1: And this is where that give-and-take element of the thermal modification really begins to give back to the design process. Thanks to having all of the moisture baked out of it, TMT opens up a world of possibilities when it comes to shaping.
3: Traditionally, or normally, if you machine a piece of wood heavily on one side, like a bow water pattern is this ripple that kind of undulates like a wave. Uh, Normally, a normal piece of timber, if you kind of do one set of machining heavy on one side, the timber's got a tendency to kind of bow and warp. If you 're not really careful, but because we 've taken all the moisture fully out of the bait timber, you 're pretty open to do whatever you want, unbalanced on a piece of timber, which is what was perfect to put this facade onto bow water and have this ripple, and then also it was the color, so you get the, the heartwood, which is darker and the outer wood, which is lighter, and that gives you a really beautiful light, dark flip, and then it 's really a kind of iridescent flip it 's amazing.
0: It was this ability to create ripples of shape and colour that gave the nine-piece collection its name, Bowwater. Those undulating waves recalled the idyllic riverside setting of the studio.
3: And, and Bowwater is it's called Bowwater because well two things. One is the road behind my workshop, which is called Bowwater Roads. But Bowwater, I think, is an Anglo-Saxon term for a man who lives on the riverbank or people who live on the riverbank. So it was perfect, We're like, what do you, it's so difficult, to, you know, what do you name your pieces? Something, but Bow Water was perfect because it meant, what it, you know, we are on the riverbank, we created this collection, it's got ripples in it, so people think it's to do with the ripples, but actually it was to do with the fact that, yeah, it's what people live on the riverbank from Anglo-Saxon times.
1: What we've just heard from Jan explores what TMT can offer designers working with interior objects. But, along with that striking colour change, as Neil explained earlier, we also know that TMT is immensely durable, something that's garnered the attention of architects working with natural materials looking for sustainable facade solutions.
0: We've heard before on this podcast that clients can often be a bit nervous of timber facades due to that natural weathering process that can cause colour changes and eventually the need to replace elements. But the flip side of that is the timber changes colour because it's a natural product and so it's got greater environmental credentials.
1: Which is what made it a winner for War Thistleton Architects, a studio based in London that specialises in timber-framed buildings with a sustainable approach. To gain some insight, we spoke with architect Kirsten Haggart.
4: Hello, I'm Kirsten Haggart. I'm an Associate Director at War Thistleton Architects. I've been working in timber construction for around 15 years now. Um, And uh, I head up the research part of uh, the work that we do and try and integrate that as much as possible with the uh, built projects that we have.
0: War Thistleton Architects recently designed an office space called the Black and White Building, which is one of the tallest mass timber office buildings in central London.
4: So the Black and White Building is on an infill site by a railway uh, in Shoreditch. And it is a a LVL post and beam system with CLT floor plates. So the interior of the building is entirely timber um, and we don't have any uh, structural walls within the building. So it's very much an open floor plate. Um, And then the exterior of it has got a, a glazed curtain walling system with tulip wood louvres which reduce overheating by limiting um, the sunlight.
1: It's the dark colour of these baked tulip wood louvres that give the project its name and a lot of its green credentials.
0: Alongside solar panels on its roof and its CLT frame, that's cross laminated timber for those of you keeping track of your wood acronyms, these dark louvres are placed precisely to stop the sun heating up the glass envelope too much.
4: Yeah, so we took um, readily available uh, information about sun paths in the area um, and then applied that to our computer model uh, using Grasshopper and Rhino. Um, And so we had this model, which um, we had a heat map for the for the building. And once we had the heat map, we could then start to apply different solar shading solutions to it. It's
1: a very neat solution using a natural material to keep the sun out.
0: And for War Thistleton, using tulip wood, which isn't generally employed for construction in this way, let alone for an exterior, added to the appeal.
4: So fundamentally, and, it's, and it is one of the uh, key drivers behind our sustainability goals as a practice, what, we want, what we're always striving for is to make buildings that are materially efficient. So we're not ever using... Materials where they don't work or where they're over-designed just to create an aesthetic appeal. And that was the real driver behind using LVL as the structural system because that, um, for those that don't know, is um, a laminated veneer lumber. And it's much stronger than glulam. So you can get as much smaller section sizes in LVL than you can in glulam, which then frees up your floor plate. Um, and you get bigger spans as well for the relative depth and that ethos uh, then carried on through through into the design of the facade so tulip wood which um, is actually imported from america it's not really used uh, very often in construction what we wanted to do was to try and use this sort of product that was available ready available but was was a hard wood because that um that was suitable for the facade because it's exterior, but then to also thermally modify it so that you then are extending the lifespan of the of the material. So uh, creating less waste over the lifespan of the building, but also it's much more stable um, in terms of it doesn't move very much um, uh, on the facade.
1: So over the course of the building's lifespan, that facade is going to change a little. The TMT is more stable in its colouration than a conventional timber, but the tulip wood solar shading is going to turn a silvery grey over time, and that's down to the impact of the UV in sunlight.
0: Which you could prevent through preservation methods such as painting or chemical treatment, but those would leach into the environment and undo all of War Thistleton's hard work to try and lessen the impact of the building.
1: And like Jan with his Bowwater collection, the colour generated by the TMT process is very much a part of the appeal for the design team.
4: Yeah, the colour was definitely part of the attraction. Um, I think the fact that it's um, a natural colour as well, so you're not having to maintain the the facade in any way. It's a very important part of uh, any, any building owner's requirements is about maintenance, and so obviously uh, a TMT a uh, product requires very little maintenance over its lifespan um, and, I, and I think, you know, given that the interior of all the timber, so the, the timber inside the building is very light and it created this really lovely contrast with the exterior which has a slightly darker to to it.
0: That note about contrast really sums it up. TMT can't magically be a super wood that is everything to all people but it can achieve qualities and effects that regular wood can't. And you can get some very interesting results when you start mixing these different wood ingredients together, like in the Bowwater collection, and seeing what comes out of the oven at the end.
1: Personally, I just find this baking metaphor very satisfying. Who doesn't love baked goods? And even better, I have it on Jan's authority that TMT smells delicious too.
3: Yeah, it's nice, and everyone who comes to the workshop, I say, smell this bit of wood. Like, smell is a big part of, like, I try and introduce people to smell. It's like, obviously, touch is a big, visual is a big thing, touching. But come and smell these timbers, and you get a really good way. So there's, you know, if you smell a bit of cedar, it's got this beautiful lemony sort of scent that everyone's kind of familiar with, quite a nostalgic. Everyone talks about their grandfather in the shed, and you show them cedar. But then if you get to this timber, it's quite new for, for a flavour of timber to come out, like, with this sugary sort of baked scent is... Yeah, it's good you got playing the qualities.
1: This has been Words on Wood, a podcast made by Decenno in collaboration with and with support from AHEC, the American Hardwood Export Council. Your hosts have been me, Uli Stratford, and India Block and it has been produced and edited by Evie Hall.